Let's go. Practice is crucial, of course, but how you approach what you do is just as important. Talent is a great advantage, but it's not the deciding factor. Above all, it's the love. Understanding what you love about playing music and what it feeds in you and what touches you most. That's from Dave Isaacs from his GoFundMe campaign. He is going to be working on this book, releasing this book called The Perpetual Beginner. Dave, of course, was a guest on episode 48. And uh, I think he has just a lot of great ideas surrounding music. He's a real interesting guy. So if you want to help donate to his book, I will be sharing the link. Please look out for it. Or you can just uh, go on GoFundMe and look for The Perpetual Beginner by Dave Isaacs. I will be playing bass with the Emma Holden Trio. Next week, well, this coming week, depending on when you're listening to it, 314 at the East Room, 9 p.m., $5 for entry there. I believe that's 21 and up. 315, which will be Friday at Barry and Bind, 7 p.m., $5, all ages. And then 316 at Blue Bear Barn, 8 p.m. If you're interested in memes or trolling, we're the band for you, so come check us out. Also, if you like The Poptimist or enjoy this show, or whatever, just uh, like and subscribe. Tell a friend. Leave a little review on iTunes. It would honestly really help out the show. The show is growing. You're getting in on it early. Might as well make your investment now. I'm a house in 2010 in East Nashville with the basement all flooded, but I'm about to be a house in 2019 in East Nashville. So you can say you you got ahead of the curve. I say and uh a lot whenever I'm speaking. So I'm going to try and stop doing that. But Nicole Boggs has a new EP out through Noise Trade live at Oceanway Studios that you can subscribe to the newsletter and be able to get the three songs for free. Of course, Nicole also just released her album, Scenes from Last Year. Here's the song, Balloon Man. Thank you. 
Today we have Nicole Boggs. Thank you for coming on. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. The new album, Scenes from Last Year. Scenes from Last Year, that's correct. Just came out. Just came out. I think it's been about a month already. Yeah. Time flies. You played a release show at The Analog? At Analog, yeah. How did it go? It was awesome. It was uh, unexpected. Like I knew it was going to be a good night because we kind of held off doing full band shows for about six months just to prep like we want a full room and we want everyone to hear this new stuff That's smart um but i think we ended up having about 200 people through the doors which was which a big a big night for me yeah. in nashville so i was sure. really excited so it was the culmination of all the hard work that you put in on this album how long did it take to record the album the album was almost a three-year process, which was not entirely the plan. In fact, going into this, we weren't necessarily making an album. We had just set out to kind of track and demo some of these new tunes. And at the time, we weren't even really a band, I guess, is mm-hmm. what what we're calling it these days. Um, Nicole Boggs in the real. Yeah. So that was kind of born out of um, the process of demoing these songs and finding this collaborative energy and all of us had already been working together for quite some time uh but we just decided to run with it after about three songs in we were like oh let's just make a project who else is in the band uh alex kramer on guitar uh lauren clark on bass and his brother terrence clark is on drums Uh, i mean (laughs) if you have that that family element (laughs) for for bassist and drummer what else could you possibly it's, need it's besides huge. that uh Ter- terrence is out on the road most of the time so uh unfortunately at some shows we have to sub him out but we're so spoiled that we we have his best friend with us a lot of the time timmy jones so nice. we we're pretty spoiled everything works out <laughs> do you have a favorite song from the album or one that means Ooh, um, something to you the most i think they all kind of mean mean something sure. to me uh, i think there's there's two that that stand out as maybe my most emotional um, slow fade. Uh, the closing track. The closing track. Um, I think there's a couple reasons with that one. It was it was about a relationship that um, was just out of reach for me. It was like we just couldn't 
get it right, and um, I wasn't willing to let it go. So it became very personal. Yeah. But also, it was the it was the moment in the recording process that everything just started to gel. That was the third song we tracked, and the the moment when it was like, okay, this is what we're doing now. E even the sound direction just kind of. The, the kind of 80s elements and stuff going on. We didn't For sure. we didn't go in intending to create that. It just kind of happened and we were like, okay, we have kind of an 80s rock thing on our hands at this point and that's the direction we're moving. So, I think not only is the song really personal for me, but it was really the pinnacle of us starting this record and and that's where the band name came from. Was when we started to put all the sound effects and everything onto that track. So it, it means something to me in more than one way at this point. When you were writing the song and looking back on that relationship, did it just kind of all come out where you were like, okay, this is over and something new is beginning, or was it something that was gradual? Oh, I was still in the thick of it when we wrote it. 100% um, not over anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So um, it ha I, I wrote it with a team of people, so David Dorn and Robin Grant... And they had already been listening to me talk about this for probably months at that point. Mm -hmm. And they finally helped me kind of draw out some of the feelings. Uh, interestingly enough, I am now in that relationship. Really? <laughs> probably four years later since we wrote that song. Congratulations. So, thank you. <laughs> sometimes you're right. <laughs> Some, yeah, sometimes. I mean, <laughs> everything is kind of cyclical. I agree in, completely. In some ways, it, it, what goes away can come back not always yeah but things seem to fade in and fade out yeah what was the other song that you really like on the album um i think michelle is probably uh one of the most important ones to me i mean sonically i could give you a million different reasons why i like different tracks on the album sure. but that one was the last one to get cut um in fact we thought we had wrapped up we were we buttoned it up, we were done, we were going to go to mixing, and that one is one that just fell out. Um, it's a, it's about my mom, and uh, growing up, she has been a drug addict pretty much my whole life. Um, she's now been clean for about six months. So, wow, awesome. Um, and she claims that the song was the catalyst for her going into rehab, so Congratulations. that's a pretty powerful thing yeah. to hear from someone. Um, but that one fell out. I was, it's, I was alone on the couch. It was late at night. I don't oh, yeah. do a lot of writing by myself these days. I like to be in a team mm -hmm. and I did end up bringing in, uh, my good friend Kellyanne Hochter to, to finish up some of the cleanup, some of the lines and, um, but yeah, that one, that one fell out and I sent it to my dad who produced the album with us and he wrote back, uh, crying now schedule a session for next week. And wow. <laughs> so okay. that's how we ended up putting that one on the album and I'm glad he made me do it. I was a little nervous to be that to real. Be so vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think now it's one of my my favorite tracks on there. Well, that's always the most real shit when it comes to to any art form. Where it's like you don't want people you know to to see it or hear it cuz they're going to know yeah. what it is that you're you're talking about. Yeah. I think I was really afraid to hurt her feelings, even though, you know, obviously this has been a lifelong story and I've, of course, been hurt by the whole experience, but I think there's still a part of you that, as a human, understands that, like, oh, yeah. she's 
been through this struggle her whole life, and you don't want to be, like, putting that on blast. For sure. Um, I know when I had the opportunity, I was on The Four on Fox mm-hmm. last January, and that was one of the things that kept coming up. They were asking lots of questions about my mom, and I was like, you know, I'm just not really interested in having some drawn-out conversation on television about... Your personal life. That's going to hurt her feelings. You know, there are certain things, I get it, it's TV, like, you're going to say something personal, and they want a backstory, and I have plenty of them, but that was the one that was like, the line is drawn there for me, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that to her, and at the time, we weren't in contact at all, but it's like, just not, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to put it in a song, I'm not going to get on television and have a sob story about it you know (laughs) rightfully so I've gone through similar experiences myself with my mother um she uh she's has some addiction issues she's Mm -hmm. had a really rough rough life yeah that she hasn't been able to um to go get help on yeah because I I feel like most of the time when you're watching someone struggle and this town is full of people that are like that I see it all the time with with different artists and musicians it's like knowing so badly that someone wants help but they don't know how to help themselves yeah. is a real struggle to be there for and to kind of watch it and i know for me one thing that i had a real hard time with is is kind of like getting dragged down with it sure and allowing yourself to be pulled under those waves and for years i was stuck in this cycle of getting pulled back under Right. Um, and be, being put in that toxic environment. And I, I got to a point in my life where I saw I had developed a bunch of unhealthy coping mechanisms Yeah. in order to have that relationship in my life, and it was affecting all of my other relationships. Right. And damaging all of those. Yeah, I understand that completely. You know, I've had to take a lot of distance from her over the years, and... I think uh, right now it's in this really unique place where I think there's an understanding between us of, like, I see that she is doing what she needs to do to get well, but there's still, like, you know, I'm 31, so there's still these years of totally of stuff that have gone on, and I think she gets it. Like, I kind of allow a certain amount of communication at this point. It's building blocks. I know, I can't believe I'm going to say this on, on here, but um, when, like a big breakthrough I thought for us was she sent me her Hulu information a couple weeks ago and was like, I'd like you to share my Hulu. And I yeah. was like, you know, that's like this really cool little olive branch for like someone as a mother to be able to go like, oh, yeah. log into my Hulu account. And yeah. I was like, I think that's probably really special for both of us. Like For sure. Yeah, it's all about baby steps. And one thing that I, I struggled with was looking, I was always looking out at every single problem that I had mm-hmm. and I was never looking in. Right, right. And, um, that was from a side effect of being raised by a couple of, of drug addicts. Cause my, my biological father is also an addict too and hasn't been around since I was a kid, but it was, a uh, something as, as time has gone on, I've had to just like, you have to go into that ugliness and really search for it. And, um, it sounds like there's a lot of emotions that you have on this album where you're really looking within 
and I'm glad it comes across yeah, that way. For That's sure, good. absolutely, yeah. It was uh, that was the one thing that I noticed because it it sounded like to me someone dealing with their shit and like trying to trying yeah. to get through things. You know, it was like we we all have things that just from life, whether it's our family life, environmental, whatever it is, whatever your environment is, we all carry something with us. And, well, and probably many things, you know, many it's like things, we have yeah. all these seeds of insecurity that have been sown like deep and I'm just a hyper over analytical, like neurotic person. So I'm always tracing every little thing back to like, when was the moment that, you know, when did I start to be insecure about body image or like, because I think we have to be looking at those things if we're going to make any shift uh, or revolutionary actions, like, as a culture, you know? Because I don't think most of these issues we have with ourselves are just personal. I mean, of course, we have to deal with them on our own. But a lot of the time, I think we're being impacted by, you know, this is what women do that look like this in this culture, you know? And you've got it happening from the time you're, like, six years old or whatever, trying to navigate the ropes of, like, where do I fit in to that category? Sure, yeah. This is something I've been thinking about more lately. Because I'm a dude, I need, you, like, you just <laughs> sure. don't have to ever think about that. It's like, there's not, there's not expectations put on you in that way from, like, a dude's perspective. It is to a certain point, everybody has it. But it's, I, I it's think, different for and I guys. think there are, but yeah. I just think there are different expectations. They're different, so, yeah. So the, um, the behaviors that develop out of that are completely different than, than what might happen to a, a young girl. For sure. And I was raised by my father, so I found that, that there was even discrepancies there where I just never... I didn't feel like I belonged in the group because I was taught to think a little differently by no one's fault, you know, yeah. it was like somebody stepped in and made sure that I had a roof over my head and food on the table, and he happened to be a man, so <laughs> it sure. was just a little bit of a different perspective. So back to the album. Yes. <laughs> One of my favorite songs is Balloon Man. Oh, awesome. Well, then, perfect, perfect connect the dots. Is that is that about your father it's and about your my dad, relationship yeah. with him? Yeah, it's so it's kind of um it was an interesting process with that one. One of my favorite writers in town, Connor Rand, who I always call the uh, the best songwriter you've never heard of. Um he came we actually decided to write on my birthday about 2 years ago. So it was me and Alex, who's the guitar player in the band, and Connor. And Connor said the whole first half of the verse had come to him in a dream. The, when I want to float away like a helium balloon. He just started spitting it out and was like, I had this in a dream a couple weeks ago and nobody wants to write it with me. And the minute he said those first four lines, I was like, okay, well, we got to write that for my dad. Like, it's so completely the story of of somebody just keeping you grounded. And that's the person, I, I always call him my rock. Now I call him my balloon man because it's even more accurate where somebody's putting you on a pedestal and letting you fly and just kind of doing the work behind the scenes and that's what our whole my whole life has been like with him he basically stepped away from his career 
to get custody of me and raise me. And at this point, he's kind of in a fantastic position in his career, but he's utilizing it to help me with mine. So it's always, it's always like he's just been the person holding the string not getting as much credit as he deserves and making sure so. you don't fly too close to the sun. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And making sure I don't like, you know, not pay my taxes or yeah, <laughs> like totally. Let, That's he kind of lets do. me be in artist mode and make sure that I remember to be an adult. <laughs> One of the hardest things about being in Nashville is remembering that we also have to be some kind of responsible member in society. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I am inclined to not want to do shit ever. If I have the option to not work and to not think about money and to not oh, yeah. eat and to not do anything, I'll just be like, okay, yeah. well, I'll record 50 podcasts today and practice and go play a gig tonight. Yep. That's Completely. all I want to do. Yep, that and sleep. I love to sleep. <laughs> it's like my favorite thing, but... <laughs> sleep is very important. It's important, but it's also like, I think, um, I think for many creative brains, like, it can go too far. Mm-hmm. It's It's really easy to... I know for me, like, not only do I enjoy it, but it's also a way to forget about what you have to deal with. Like, it's my, oh, I'm stressed now? Like, let's just be asleep. Recharge. (laughs) You know? Yeah. There's something to be said about, uh, what was that songwriter's name? His name's Connor? Connor Rand, yeah. Connor Rand. It's interesting that it came to him in a dream. Um... There's something I think that our subconscious mind does when we're sleeping that we don't understand yet. Oh, I completely agree. We just have no freaking clue about it yet. We we don't understand anything about whatever that dream realm is. Like everybody sleeps. Yeah. Everybody dreams. But really what what is it? Are we going to some alternate reality? Is there some something else yeah. out there that we don't understand and we don't know about yet? I mean, I think, you know, science has probably done a lot of explaining of this, but I prefer to, like, keep it kind of mysterious. <laughs> For sure, absolutely. Especially when it comes to something like that. It's like, to me, that was just some magic unfolding, and, and it was meant for us to write. Um, his wife is a very similar character, so I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, there was a connection there for him of this person that keep you, keeps you tethered while while you're just drifting in space. And um, I'm very grateful that he let me kind of twist it and turn it into my own personal story. But I'm sure his subconscious was was thinking about her. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What was the experience like of going on the floor? What were like the the behind the scenes? How did you get that call? Sure. Um, uh, I, I was scouted by a talent scout. So a lot of a lot of those shows have people that are online digging for videos and they found a video of me actually on Acme Radio doing one of the songs off my last EP mm-hmm. called Something New and um I was flown out for a couple rounds of audition processes so the difference between that show and maybe some of the others is that they did the auditions behind the scenes and then whittled it down to this group of people that were then going to come in and challenge the four so, um, rather than airing, you know, hundreds of auditions on TV, it was already down to like 50 people, but we did go through a similar process. It just happened earlier on. So I went out there twice, uh, before I found out I was actually going to be on the show. I probably was talking to them from like September of 2017 to like 
January mm-hmm. of 2018, so it was kind of a long process. And to be honest, I really did not think that it was going to happen. Like, it's a very current platform. Sure. Um, the judges are very current. Yeah, it's most P. Diddy, of, dude. You know, yeah, most of the um, most of the other people I was watching were quite young and like very, uh, very hip, you know, and Mm -hmm. I kind of come from this, like, old school perspective, and I was at the very peak of, like, I was the oldest person there while I was on the show, so very interesting experience. I actually had a wonderful time. I have zero complaints. It did exactly what I wanted it to do, and I, I wasn't expecting to walk away being the winner of some massive record deal to go be a big pop star, like, I've, I've got a lot of, uh, you know, understanding of who I am at this point, and I've put ten years in this town into, like, mapping that out, so the narrative was probably a little more clear for them from my perspective, but that doesn't make for a good, malleable <laughs> pop star sure, on a record yeah. label. Uh, it makes for a nice television moment, though. So yeah. I, I was really grateful, actually, that they... What I felt was that they really let me be myself. Um, and maybe even highlighted some real positives about me that I wasn't thinking about. You know, like when we ended up developing the whole backstory and, and I talked about my dad a bit on the show, uh, watching it back, I feel like it really brought out, like, the warm side of me and not the dark side of sure. me that that is there and needs to be there but it was nice to watch it back both and be sides like, are oh, necessary look how friendly i look you know yeah. like i seem like i seem like the best version of myself in this light so that was kind of a neat thing to walk away because you're scared you're like what is gonna happen are they gonna are they gonna paint me out to be some like diva bitch <laughs> you uh-huh. know like which could easily happen when you're like a jaded person who's been working in this industry for as long as I have, you know, (laughs) it can be, it can be ruthless. There, Mm -hmm. there have been, even in the three years that I've been here, I've noticed the many cycles and phases of the music city burnout. Yeah. And there are people that have both come and gone in my, in my three years that are living here that I'm still friends with. I still talk to Yeah. But, um, the turnover rate, yeah. It's it's like pe- everyone's talking about the amount of people that move here. But really what we don't talk about is the amount of people that are moving away. Yeah. Happens a lot. Burned out wreckage of a million different dreams. Yeah. And one thing I'm starting to really believe and hone in on is that it's truly just about mindset. Mhm. Talent is good and it's good if if someone has it that can help. But we also know that not always the most talented people are the ones who end up making it. Sure. It's the ones with the strongest minds, I feel. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. So I'm here alone today, which is a unique thing. Like, I think most of the time we've been interviewing as a band. Um, I I kind of wanted to do this one one-on-one because I knew we were going to go a little more emotional. And sure. I'm like, they're not going to want to go down this, <laughs> this road with me. But, um... We talk about that idea a lot as a group of, like, the, the identity of making it and what does that mean and how so for many people see it. And um, I know one of the things that, like, because I struggle with it. I mean, we've all been sure. working our asses off for oh, yeah. 
who knows how long, and we have this big body of work at this point, and we're already eight songs into a new record after awesome. after putting out 13, you know. Um, but the thing that keeps me lifted up, I think, is them, is this unit of people around me where when we're working together, it becomes about the music, you know. And sometimes I step away, and I'm the one doing a lot of the business portion of things, so that's when it starts to hurt, you know, is when you're, like, dealing with the day-to-day -day and the emails and the social media and the grind that really, I think for most artists, if if they're truly about the music, is not fun. It's painful. <laughs> you know, like, it's not a good time. But it's super important, and I'm I'm learning a lot in the process. But at the end of the day, I get to go back in and we'll go have a show and it's like oh yeah this is it like even if there's four people out there we're together up here interacting with each other and making that leap from like it just being about me to it being about a group of us I think has really altered my attitude like I can keep doing this for years because we're getting something out of it you're not taking you know? the brunt of it alone anymore. yeah yeah there's definitely a chemistry that I can hear on the record between the band. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely. It, it, the production is is solid. It was funny that you mentioned kind of the 80s thing earlier, because I thought, this reminds me of 80s songwriting, but not so much in production. Like, I feel like a lot of the production in the 80s really suffers, and a lot of good music really suffers just because it's like tinny drums or cocaine production or something sure. like that. But you guys have this this modern, sleek almost like Mark Ronson looking at the 80s. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. On it. I feel like what happened, what, so we produced it as a team. So we, we didn't have like one head kind of making decisions, which is rare. You know, mm -hmm. you don't usually go about it that way. And I, we had kind of talked to a few different producers and just, we didn't have a big budget. So it's like, I'm, yep. I don't know, I'm not going to go pay somebody this much money. My dad is an audio engineer. That's what he does. There's a studio in the basement, and all five of us that were involved in the project, uh, there was also a keyboard player on board named David Dorn, who writes a lot with me, but he doesn't get to be with us live very often. Um, but all of us have, have experience as producers at this point. Like, all of them have produced other artists. I have been going in for years and doing vocal production and background vocal work and doing the arrangements and being that person for someone else. So we were like, why are we going to go pay someone a lot of money when we can take this opportunity Keep it in -house. and just see what happens? Yeah. And so we just treated it like an experiment. And um, I think the thing that binds us together is that we all grew up in musical families and we all grew up on this wide array of music so it's like you can kind of hear the nuance of like we grew up on 70s rock and roll we all love the band and like kind of loose harmony parts and that's definitely all, on the record yeah. you can hear it now <laughs> where it's like that. there is kind of this polished ele element about us but we're also kind of into slop factor you yeah. know and like that thing that's like yeah yeah we weren't quite together there but it sounds cool leave it you know that's um, one another thing that I noticed on the album is is it sounds very tight, but there's that looseness of a well-oiled machine. Yeah, 
drums and bass both grew up in Memphis. Oh, yeah. You, know, I mean, you, can, well, hear, well, you can hear you can hear Memphis in it. Totally. You can hear um, Alex spent a lot of time in Memphis as well. He went to college there and kind of is an honorary Memphian, if you will. Uh-huh. I'm really the only one that's like, I'm not even from the South. Like, I don't, know, I don't know where I fit in, in here. In Denver? But I grew up in Denver. I'm originally from the Bay Area. Okay. Grew up in Denver. I went to college in Boston. Nice. And then I moved here. So who I'm identityless. <laughs> you, uh, you've been all over then. Yeah. I lived out in Colorado for a year when I was 20, 21. Oh, so fun age. I was See, not I, responsible <laughs> enough to live there on my own at that age. I I wasn't of drinking age ever living yeah. there. So I I have no idea about yeah. the scene. <laughs> it was uh honestly I just I smoked way too much weed. Of like, course, yeah. <laughs> I should I should have not someone should have sat me down and said are you sure this is a really good idea to move here? <laughs> but it, it ended up being good. You know, I worked at Wildwood Guitars, and that was a real cool place. And I got to learn a lot about music and production yeah. and guitars and all that shit. So. And it's just beautiful. It's, it's just... beautiful. What an amazing place that is. If I ever retire, if I just disappear one day, that's where I move to. I move back to Colorado. I don't think people even understand. Like, they think of it as a cold state. No, it's, it's warm. It's 300 days of sunshine. Yeah. You get snow, but it's, it's seventy degrees the and next it's, day. It's in. It's coming from the mountains, so it's mm-hmm. like you don't really. You're not freezing like Boston was horrifying yeah. in comparison to Colorado. I'm fami- very familiar with New England winters. Yeah. So, <laughs> I grew up in Maine, and the winter of 2014-2015 was the one that I decided, okay, it's time to to maybe move to Nashville. Get out of now. here. Yeah. So my, my path to Nashville was actually kind of funny. So that winter was happening. I had this 2000 Pontiac Grand Am. It was a horrible freaking car. <laughs> it had already seen like 15 main winters by that point. And someone had backed into my car and ripped off the bumper. I wasn't in it. I was. This was at a music school that I was teaching at uh-huh. in Portland, Maine. And um, I ended up getting paid because of it. My car was probably only worth like four hundred bucks. Oh my god! I got paid two thousand dollars for so it. So what did you, did you go get a different car? Yeah, I took the, I took the money and ran. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to Nashville. Oh, smart! Very yeah. smart. So the car was still working. Uh, no. no, so I just moved down here without a car, without anything. I was okay. like, fuck I like it. it. I'm just gonna see what happens. I like so it. I just showed up. Um, but so far, so good. <laughs> So what do you have on the horizon right now as far as shows go? Um, so actually this coming week, we're, um, this week, we're already in this week. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, This will be going up next week. Okay. So what week are we in right now? What are the dates? This is, uh, <laughs> today is the 25th. So okay. next week will be, um, it'll be the first week of March. Okay. When this awesome. goes up. Awesome. On Wednesday. So before that, we'll be in Memphis. So we're going to go do some radio promo uh, in Memphis. And then we've got a little show with our friend Brennan Valines, who was also on the floor um, at Molly Fontaine's in Memphis. Um, so that's prior to this airing. Um, after that, let me look. You know, I'm just going to pull up my calendar. Yeah, pull it and see up. what we've got going on. I think, so we're spacing things out a bit at this point so that we're not overloading you here in Nashville. But uh, our next full band gig will be March 31st at the basement. Nice. The basement's a cool place. Yeah, it's awesome. So I think this will be our third or fourth time there. And how can people the find year. you? 
uh, on the internet. On the internet, on the yes. Uh, there are lots of ways you can do this. You can go to Nicole Boggs and the Real with two E's, like a film. dot com. So Nicole Boggs and the Real dot com, or all of our social media is under Nicole Boggs Real, no and. Perfect. Scenes from last year. Scenes from last year. The new it's record out. out now. Working on the, the follow up. Follow up. Follow up is probably coming sooner than you think. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah.